0: you're listening to the abide podcast to find out more about abide go to abidechurchfl.com and enjoy today's message i just believe this i just believe that this gospel is real so we've been in a, in a series called pillars and we've been talking about the pillars of the house what makes abide abide we've talked about presence prayer family revival And last week, Len was here and he was talking about um, spiritual fathering and mothering. How many of you were here for that? I pray that it would not just be a fleeting week, like one week prayer, but that you would continue to lean in and you would ask God, God, who do you have for me? Or who can I be that to? I just want to make it clear it's both and. It's not just God, you give me. It's God, how can I be? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying this because some of you in this room, you've been serving the Lord for a long time, and there's a young person in this room or out of this room that's waiting for you. Say me. He's waiting for you. She's waiting for you. Like, they've been praying. So, like, you may think, man, I just don't have a lot to give. I would submit to you, your little in the hands of God can become a lot. Do you hear? Are you alive? Listen, I don't want to lose my voice today. (laughs) Your little in the hands of God becomes a lot. And not just in the realms of finances or anointings or giftings, in the realm of you giving yourself to the Lord. Yes. And you're saying, God, I'm going to pour myself out. So as, as we we're praying this week, so much has happened. I just want to say, it's, it's been an interesting week. How many of you, God's always in the midst? Yes. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? God's always in the midst. Yes, but in the midst, sometimes we go through difficult situations. And as a family, we've been carrying that. Um, last, I believe it was Sunday night, Pastor Hutch's wife passed lisa and we've been praying for her and and the bible tells us to mourn with those who mourn that when things happen as a family we just don't brush over it but we mourn with those who mourn and we walk this thing out together because this is not an enterprise this is a family this is the way church is supposed to be guys we're supposed to be a family so when one hurts we all hurt and we lean in and we carry one another and then later on in the week um one of the founding pastors of this church, he, went, he was in Germany, and he went to go be with heaven. The founding pastor of, of what have, would have been this building, his name was Pastor Lowell Dudding. He was an amazing man of God, and we just wanted to take time to honor that because it was 50 years of faithful service to the Lord, and many of you that are in this room right now, you came up under his ministry, and we just want to honor him. From what I've heard, he went out the exact way he said he wanted to go out, preaching the gospel. So he was out in Germany ministering to the Lord and the Lord took him home. And t- to every person, it's appointed point at a time and it was his time to go, but he did it. How many of you know the Lord is faithful? Yes. After years of saying, if I'm gonna go out, I wanna go ministering the gospel. He was ministering in Germany at 85 years old. And the Lord said, it's time to come home. So he is with Jesus now. And for those of you in the congregation, we carry that with you. I know it's painful and, and I'm sorry, but, but we just honor his legacy and we would not be sitting in this building if it wasn't for him dreaming with the Lord. So we just honor that. We honor Pastor Lowell. We honor his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. And for those of you that, that, that you're mourning, we mourn with you. But we're going to see him again one day. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom. You know, we're mourning and he's celebrating. He ain't worried about none of us right now. I ain't worried about none of us. All right, let's open up our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. We're going to do some Ecclesiastes. We're going to do some Colossians. And I want to talk about revival for just a few minutes because I really feel like I said in pre-service prayer that the Lord wants to minister to us. How many of you know when we walk into this room, it's not just religious duty. We're not just doing it to do it. We do it because we believe God comes into the midst of us and he changes us. Do you believe this? Like when we come into these rooms and we put all eyes on Jesus, Jesus comes into the room. And when Jesus is in the room, everything changes. We may not see it from moment to moment or circumstance to circumstance, but we can be assured. There could be a certainty in our hearts that Jesus makes all things new. And I want to declare to you today, Jesus does nothing halfway. Uh Do you hear me? He does nothing. Everything the Lord starts, he finishes. And he is faithful and true. And so, for us, as we go from season to season, I was just ministering to our staff about this. The one thing you can be assured, the one constant thing that you are going to endure in this life is change. You don't get to choose it, you don't get to pick it or not pick it. You are going to go through change. And what God is saying to us as a people, as we continue to pursue Him, engage with Him, love Him, honor Him, is to, in every season, embrace the Lord. It's going to pause for a second. Not just embracing the Lord whenever things are going amazing and there's revival swirl or we're in conference weekend, but we were just thinking about it. In these moments of pressing, of difficulty, of discouragement, of not understanding God why, we would say, God, in this moment of discouragement, of pain, I can offer you something costly. Many times because we have been conditioned and we have presented, we've been presented with a gospel that is all, of, all about us. When we go, when we come into any kind of difficulty or persecution, we start crying, God, why? God, deliver me. Instead of, God, what are you doing? Uh, people who embrace God in every season, they don't, they don't just pull back when things are not going the way we want. But they lean in and say, God, in every season you're there, right? In every season, God is there. So the question becomes, God, what are you doing? So I want to read this. Ecclesiastes 3 says, There is a time for everything. For everything, there is a season. Say season. There is a time for every activity under heaven. There is a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up. There's a time to cry, a time to laugh. A time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter, a time to gather, a time to embrace, to turn away, a time to search, a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to man. What is he saying? He's saying, man, there's a season and a time for everything. Say everything. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Verse 9, what do people really get for all of their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on all of us. Yet God, say yet. yet. I want you to see this. Yet God has made everything. Did he say some things? No. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And he has planted eternity in the human heart. I love that. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope from God's work from beginning to end. So I conclude there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. There's nothing better for us. So he goes through all of these different seasons and he's putting one against the other. Then he says, but, but I want you to see, God makes everything beautiful in his time. Yeah. This is a prophetic word for us, like in the now, that no matter what season we find ourselves in, no matter how, it, maybe it doesn't line up with your journal, your plan. Like we're at the end of 2022. You're like, man, it doesn't match up with, my, with what I wrote down in January. God makes all things beautiful in his time. So in every season we can conclude, I want to anchor my heart in the goodness of God. It's one of the things that my spiritual father has taught me. He said, Gio, I I would that you would never question these two things. That you would never question, is God good? That you would settle in your heart, God is good. It's not going to matter what things look like. And I'm not going to give my heart to things that speak contrary to that. But not only is God good, but God is able to make his goodness pass before me. Do you hear me? Yeah. It's not just concluding that God is good because we can conclude that, but it is that God is willing and able to stretch forth his hand and that his goodness would touch my life. Yeah. That it would go from generation to generation to generation. And in the context of revival, we, this is a, we're a charismatic church, right? We're, we're charismatic to the 10th degree. And in the context of revival, sometimes when we talk about it, we're waiting for a moment. Man, maybe today's the moment maybe this is a service where it breaks out and the heavens open up and we just never come back down again. But what I've learned is what God is asking for us as a people is to steward our hearts, to keep fire burning on the altar of our hearts, not waiting for a moment to then change, but to say, God, no matter the season, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to trust that you're going to make this beautiful. So if I'm looking, so so let's make it very practical. If I'm looking at an area of my life that doesn't look beautiful, it looks painful, it looks discouraging, there's mourning, there's grief, we can look at that with a surety that God is not done. I don't have to know what God's doing. I just need to trust that He's in the midst. If I trust that He's in the midst... And that he is good, and he, he commands, we talked about this a few weeks ago, he commands his loving kindness and mercy yeah. into every situation. Our hearts can be anchored, guys. Yes. And most of what we see in the church is people being tossed to and fro yeah. Yeah. from this side to that side, from this emotion to that emotion. So we come into rooms, you could feel it sometimes during worship. And one week we can come into worship and it's explosive. It's wow. And then one week it's heavy. And we're saying, guys, recommit yourselves. Guys, and, and to be honest, as a house, we've made a commitment. We're never going to stop beckoning you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because there's only one solution. There's no way like, well, let's try. There's nothing else to try. The other side of, stopping, uh, of us stop going, going up is for us to put before you humanistic things putting you through systems and structures and programs to say, well, maybe, no, there's only one solution. It's you seeing him. The only solution for a calloused, an apathetic, a tired or weary, you name it, heart, is for you to see him. It's for you to make space for him. So in Isaiah 43, he says, listen, remember not the former things, the things considered of old. Behold, I am doing a what? It's a new thing. And sometimes we think about a new thing like, oh, well, like, that's a, such a cute scripture. But we'll, what we forget about in the context of the new thing, it's, it's a letting go of the old thing. This <laughs> doesn't get very many. Yes, yeah, only John. He's our executive pastor. He's like, yes, amen. But, but like, listen, guys. What if the principal thing that's warring against you having the new thing is your inability to let go of the old thing? I love that Kevin and Margie are stepping into the new thing because I know it's hard to let go of this thing why there's tears but in the midst of stepping into all that God has it is that kind of a heart and his stewardship and giving God your continual yes that it it attracts the breath of God it attracts his movement his activity you think it's like your shaka baba and your shout there's a measure of that that draws God in but there's something about a heart that's yielded in every season there's something about a heart that's not going to give itself to condemnation to guilt and shame. Listen, if the enemy can't get you to give yourself to gross sin, then all he's gonna do for you forevermore is to make you feel like you're just not a good enough Christian. You're not as anointed as Marcus. You don't pray like this person, do it like that person. You're not on your face. You're not shouting. You're not jumping. And for us, I'm saying to you, let's take off the Pentecostal pressure. Let's just like, just take it off. Literally, like God, I take that off because I wanna embrace what you have. I don't want to live by by the praises or the failures or the accusations of man. I want to fully embrace what you have for me. So in this time, it's essential for us to, to, to lean into the leadership of the Lord and not forget the Lord of the house in the midst of building him a house. In Jeremiah 2, the Bible talks about Israel, and they had fallen away. They had fallen away. All of this stuff had happened but the Bible says this is, this, is what, this is what happened within the context of idolatry. The priests, the leaders, the spiritual people that should have been leading, they stopped asking the question, where is the Lord? All of the religious stuff was still happening, guys. All of the activity, it's like us today. We can do all of this. All that we're doing today, it can be done without God in the midst. It's happening all over. And that's why the centrality of us as a people saying, God, we've got to keep you at the center. Not only did the priest stop asking, it says, the father stopped asking, where is the Lord? And so then Jeremiah 3, it identifies, it says this, sorry, Jeremiah 2.13 says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they had dug for themselves cracked cisterns that hold no water at all. They had forgotten the Lord and they became self-sufficient when God was trying to draw them unto himself, they had, they had stopped asking, no, 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 where's the God who split the sea? Where's the God who sends fire? Are you alive? Yeah. Because I'm telling you, like we're not gonna let up on this. We believe that the region of Brandon and Tampa is going to be transformed by the presence of Jesus. Look into my eyes, I believe this. I'm not going to another nation to experience God, been there, done that. We're, we're sinking our feet in and we're contending. But the principal question that has to be asked week in and week out is, where is the Lord and what is he doing? And are we surrendering to his will? Are we going his way? When people are cold and dry, are we confronting that and saying, no, you can't go your own way. No, he's worthy of more. We're not just going to sing songs and say words with our heart disconnected with the song and the word. Where is the Lord? But then he promises and Jeremiah 3 says listen i will give you this was the remedy the remedy for the apathy for all of the stuff all of the going away says i will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding and when your land is filled with once more says the lord you will no longer wish for the old days do you hear what i'm saying like listen for some of you your inability to see what god is doing is because all you can look at is what god has done that's gone it's gone. I'm telling you, listen, I can look back. Wow, man, the Mexico days in the half. The no, we're in the Tampa days. We are in the best days that we've ever been in. There is no going back. We're like, what about my, what about your circumstance? We, we will not question God's goodness and his ability to make his goodness pass before us. Since you're no longer going to say, I wish for the good old days when we had the Ark of the Covenant, you will not miss those days or even remember them. And there will be no need to rebuild the Ark. In that day, Jerusalem will be known as the throne of the Lord. Could you imagine if God did this in Tampa? If in Tampa it wasn't about, oh, no, no, we've got so-and-so speaker. Maverick City going to be in town. God's going to do it. No, this call con- no. What's going on in Tampa? God has established his throne there. The supremacy of God is known. There's a fear of the Lord, a reverence of the Lord. People have stopped giving themselves to gross sin and idolatry. They have circled themselves around the presence of Jesus and nothing else matters. Yes. Jerusalem will be known as the throne of the Lord. All nations will come to honor the Lord. They will no longer stubbly follow their own evil desires. I love this. Can we just stop for a minute and pray, God, do this in Tampa? Yes. Just for 60 seconds. God, we're asking you. God, would you do this in Tampa? Would you establish your throne in Tampa Bay? God, would we stop looking at the former and would we embrace what you're doing? God, we honor. We honor what you've done. But you have greater, immeasurably more than we can think, ask, or imagine. So we're asking you, God, to pour it out into our hearts, into our lives. Remove the idolatry. Remove the the desire for the things of the world. Heal our hearts, God. We need this, God. May Tampa Bay be known as a place where the Lord has established His throne forever. Where you reign supreme and above. We pray that, not just abide, that every church would come under this. The supremacy and the rule and reign of Jesus. So God promises. I love that you guys actually pray with me in the middle of my message. Yeah. <laughs> so God says, I'm gonna give you shepherds after your own heart and then he. It- we get a glimpse of a man. God says, I have created David as a man after my own heart. And so not only does he give us language, but he gives us imagery as what this would look like. And you see the life of David on the backside of the country. He's ministering to the Lord. The Lord anoints him. The Lord chooses him. And there's a transference going pla- that's taking place where God is transferring the people from the kingdom of Saul to the kingdom of David where the kingdom of Saul would have been led by manipulation, control, fear of man, God found a man who the the principal, the principal question that he wanted to answer in his life is, am I honoring God? And so finally, David steps on the scene in 1 Chronicles 13, and the question becomes, what is David gonna do? What is the man who the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart? What is going to be his first act as a king? Remember, Jeremiah described this, I will give you kings, I will give you, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. What does David do? He begins to reestablish that which God always wanted. Once he steps on the scene as king of the whole nation, he says, listen, we're going to get the ark, and we're going to bring it back to the center, and we're going to reestablish the glory of God. Like, man, we talk a lot about the new thing God is doing. The new thing God is doing is not a seven-week revival meeting service. It's not a new trendy way of doing worship. It's not a new hipster way of communicating the gospel. It's Jesus at the center. Are you hearing me? It's Jesus at the center. It's what David did. Stop the show. This is like when the president comes in. It's like his first speech, and he's about to communicate what is going to be done for the next. This is my vision. This was David's vision. The whole nation is coming He's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's going to do, we're going to get the ark and we're going to bring it to the center and we're going to minister to the Lord. And from this place of ministry to the Lord and the presence of God being at the center, we have faith, we know, and we believe that it is going to impact the whole nation. The reason we don't give our hearts to this if we're being honest is because we don't really, don't believe that it's going to change everything. When you resolve in your heart that putting Jesus at the center and everything in your life flowing from that place is everything it makes it easy to come into prayer room it makes it easy to worship it's not it's not duty it's like oh i have to go to prayer room i'm going to go to hell no it's like god i have found something that satisfies my soul and every season of my life whether I'm going great or everything's falling apart, this is the only thing that gives me life. I don't want to find myself trying to collect water and empty cracked cisterns and trying to sustain myself. If you promise me this isn't, listen, living water wasn't some Old Testament thing. He says to the woman at the well, you're looking for water here, but I have something that you will never thirst again. This is New Testament promise for us, guys. That as you come to him, I will give you something that your soul has always been longing for. But you've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to be willing to have a resolve in your heart. You're like, no, no, no. Well, when revival comes then, no. No. This cannot be the attitude of heart of a people who call themselves Levites. And priests and kings. Revival comes because God has found a people. The eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a people whose hearts are fully committed to them so that he can strengthen them. This is the Bible. God is looking. He's leaning down. And he's waiting and he's looking. Will I find a people who have resolved in their heart, God drew everything. God, you are the treasure in the field. God, you are the pearl of great prize. Even when I don't feel it, I'm going to reposition my heart to say, no, I'm not going to give my heart to lesser lovers. I'm not going to give my heart to discouragement. I'm not going to make God, God, when you do, then I will. No. I'm not in a wrestling match with God. He is God. He is fully sovereign and he is in control. (laughs) Oh, I know I go a little bit harder than Pastor Len, but it's okay. David understood that the presence had to be at the center for there to be a proper flow. For there to be a proper flow of the presence of God and what he's doing on the earth, there needed to be a reestablishment of order. And I want to say, God is doing this. He is raising up houses of glory. Listen, in the Old Testament, when Solomon got done building the temple, there was a glory that came in where nobody could do anything but bow. You're like, why would I want that? My question for you is, why wouldn't you? Could you imagine walking into this building and nobody knows what to do except God, you're holy. My heart, my heart, I believe this is coming. For all that we prophesied doom and gloom, I believe that, that things are going to happen. Matthew 24 makes it clear. But in the midst of that, there's going to be more God available than there has ever been before. For those that have stored up oil, have anchored their hearts, they're not waiting for the moment. They're like, no, now I'm storing up oil because I'm waiting for the bridegroom to come. For those people, when he comes, they're going to be ready. And I believe this is going to be the greatest, greatest manifestation. It says that they're entering into a feast. It is, you have set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. As all the persecution, all the difficulties, we will be stabilized by the person of Jesus. Not by a pastor. Listen, if you struggle without coming to abide for three weeks because you haven't heard my message, what is it going to be like? Let the fear of the Lord grip your heart. When the YouTube preachers go away, you don't got Michael Todd, Steve Furtick, XYZ, what are you going to do? When you haven't anchored your heart in the word and it hasn't become the true north for your life. I don't give a crap what so-and-so prophet says. The word of the Lord sets the course for our life. Yeah. It sets the standard and the plumb line. Yeah. Prophet, We don't get to reestablish truth. Truth is truth. Yeah. So I feel like God is confronting communities. When I say communities, I'm saying us. I'm not, you're thinking about somebody out there that comes to your mind, us. He's confronting us, communities, churches with, am I really enough for you? Like, am I really enough? Like, if God never did another thing that you wrote down in your journal or on your vision board, would you still be satisfied in your beloved? Would you still come? Would you still lead in? Would you still engage? Would would he still have all of your heart? Because if God only had your heart when you're in Disney World kind candy Christianity, he doesn't have your heart. The mission and the assignment do. Your dream is Lord, not the Lord. Am I enough? So most people would say, of course. And my question to you would be, would your calendar, your bank account, your priority, the way you steward your family really prophesy that? I just want to stop. That's a question for us. The most dangerous thing for a people like us would be that we would adopt the right language and would not really give ourselves to the lifestyle. If you stay around the Bible long enough, you're going to know all the right things to say. You're going to know when to shout. When the spontaneous songs start happening, you're going to know them because we sing them all the time. You're going to be able to get into the flow but then when all of it stops and you're standing before the Lord, what's gonna be playing in front of you is not that spontaneous song. It's gonna be for Geo, How did you live your life in front of Judah and Selah? When I put somebody in front of you, did you have eyes to see them or were you so consumed with your own life that you passed them by? When things didn't play out, Geo." The way you thought they would, which has happened many times. How many of you have experienced this? You thought life was going to play out one way? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. In that moment, can you choose to still say, God, you're good, even in tears? God, you're good. Did you give your life to true godly community? You think you can do this thing alone? You're in deception. If God wanted to birth Christianity alone, He wouldn't have put 120 people in a room. Thank you, Lord, is right. So, God is raising up a people who are desperate for the real thing. They have a deep yearning in the heart for the more of God. How many of you have this? I have a deep yearning in my heart. Like, I just, I refuse to be satisfied. You understand? We could be thankful, that doesn't mean we're satisfied. I'm thankful for all that God has done in my son's life, but if my son at seven stopped growing and progressing, something would be wrong. Why? Because I know in my heart God has more for him. I'm thankful for all that God has done in Judah, but there's so much more God has available. God has more for you. But in the midst of the more, the posture of heart has to be this God that you would increase and I would decrease. Like, how do I get more of God? Well, let there be less of you. God loves you. God loves you, but the best version of you is that you consumed with him. It's a you. The Bible says that, that Gideon clothed himself. God clothed himself with Gideon. I don't even know what that means, but I'm like, I want that. <laughs> like, I want that. I don't want to settle for just going through life. And I don't have to scream this. I hope you hear this. I don't want to settle with just going through life, giving my life to the rat race. We sang about it. Giving my life to things that at the end of my life, all of, the, all of my accomplishments, all of my possessions, it'll all go down in a two-inch signature in a will. All of it's gone. I was talking to Hutch as his wife, he came in on Monday and he was talking about his wife passing. And we were sitting right there and I was talking to him and he said on Friday night I was talking to Lisa and, and we knew that it was close to the end. So we were talking about what the things would be like, the arrangements, and she wanted some promises. He said, and then in the middle of our conversation, she looked at him, she calls him Bobby. She said, Bobby, I don't want, she said, I don't want anybody else in the room but family. And Hush looks around He says, there's nobody else in the room, it's just me and Lisa. So he says, and, hey, can everybody please leave? She only wants family in the room. And Lisa's like, they're leaving. And I started crying. Because even even as someone who has given their life to minister this gospel, sometimes it still seems really abstract. But like with all humility and fear of the Lord, I want to say to you, this is real. There is nothing more real than what I'm talking to you about right now. And I remember like as an 18 and 19, maybe 17 year old would have been a better age saying to myself, well, I'm just gonna do me. And then when I get a little bit later on in life, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. Then I'll get it all together. But I wanna say to you today, man, I, I wasn't, I just, as he was saying that, I thought, man, there was angelic in the room to take Lisa home because she's in glory now. But this, this thing is real. And the remedy for us as a people is not to try harder. How many of you have tried harder? How, how many of you did that work for? Because it doesn't work. You just become exhausted. You become bitter. You become disinterested. And then you even begin to resent those around you because you're like, they're not even trying and it's happening for them. Right? You're like, oh, I'm trying and nothing's happening. They're not even trying. But but Colossians gives us great language. And it talks to us about Christ being supreme. Say supreme. Supreme. It's just just so powerful. Colossians 1 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all. Say all. all. He is supreme over all creation. This is why it's easy to come under his leadership. There is not anything the Lord is not in control over. Anything. I remember when Judah was first coming, we thought we were going to lose Judah and we had lost two babies. And I remember my pastor at the time speaking life over that womb. And the the womb had to because God said. Because he's sovereign over everything. But then in, in chapter two, he talks about freedom and new life. And this is what I want to read to you. And now, this is Colossians 2, verse 6. And now, just as you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue. Say continue. continue. I want you to see. It's not just one time. Yeah, I'll follow you. Now that you've given him your life and he has made you new, because you have been made new. If you don't feel new, you need to come down today and let that newness hit you. We are made new creations. He has broken the bondage of sin and he has made you new to walk in newness of life. But he says, now, just as you have accepted Christ, you must continue to follow him. Verse seven, let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Do you see this? As you've given him your life, you must continue to follow him. This is day by day, every day. God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? What are you so many? Why, God, why? I'm so miserable. Why? Stop. What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you doing? I just feel like you need to hear that. If you change it from a why to a what, you won't imagine what kind of breakthrough you will have. Because one word from Jesus changes everything. You're like, no, it really doesn't. No, it really does. It really does. If God can speak, let there be light and everything come into existence, what is your situation? God, let there be faith in the room. So watch this. As you follow him and your roots grow that deep, then your faith will grow strong in truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. How many of you want that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like sometimes we're still like, let's talk about things we're thankful for to make ourselves thankful. No, man, we, we continue to follow him and we let our roots grow deep down into him, meaning we, don't, we, don't, we get into his word. How many of you know this is life, guys? Guys, I, I beckon you, like make time for God's word. If you don't read it, listen to it, whatever, because as you listen to it, roots will grow down deep. I remember the moment I got a revelation that what I was putting into my mind, uh, there was a, a time in my life where I used to listen to certain kinds of music and I'm not religious in this way, but the Lord just showed me that that music was causing me my roots to grow down deep. So what I would find is like five years later, I stopped doing drugs, I stopped doing those things, but I would replay the songs and it would give me longings for those things because those things were allowing roots to grow down deep into the things of the world. I'm not saying, I'm like, well, now here we go, bro. I can't listen to, listen to whatever you want. The question is, what are you being rooted into? When the hurricane came, we have 10 acres in the back, probably like seven back there. And even in the early times of the storm, five, six o'clock in the evening, trees started to topple over. Boom, we stayed at the church and we just heard them. Boom, 20 something trees. You see them lined out there. And it's interesting, humongous trees, Green with life, yet a little bit of wind toppled them over. And it's interesting, when I started to ask why, it's because the trees, their roots didn't grow down, they grew out. So a little bit of water, a little bit of wind, a little bit of change in the atmosphere, ploppled right over. What a mess. What a mess. That the church would be positioned in such a way that a little bit of pressure, a little bit of storm, a little bit of fear, a little bit of racial stuff, a little bit of vax and no vax, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and people are like I'm just done with the church. What's the remedy? You must continue to follow him. Doesn't it say continue to follow your church does it say continue to follow your pastor. For for in my Bible, this says him with a little H. I made it a big H. You must continue to follow him and let your roots grow deep through prayer rooms, through engaging. It's interesting, even in the context of the trees, listen, you can't just grow out in community without letting your your time grow deep with intimacy with the secret place with God. Meaning you can be in this room every single week, week in and week out, but your roots are only growing out. They're not growing down. Roots growing down happens where nobody sees. It's wet, it's muddy, it's hard, it's breaking through. It's fallow ground, but when it goes down, it stabilizes. Verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking, from spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ, say "In in Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of God is in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. That is powerful. I'm going to read it again. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you are complete through your union with him. Like I just feel like something's missing. It is. And the breach in the wall, (laughs) the thing that God's like, man, let's work on this union thing. Before you cry out for corporate revival and fire, let there be an inward fire. Let there be an inward desire. Let all of those things that your heart's reaching for, I want to say we all have those, man. We all have our souls reaching in different directions at every different time. How many of you have this? Only three of us. Praise God. Y'all lay hands on me at the end. We all have these reachings, but as we continue to follow him and as we root ourselves in him, He redirects our desires. So, I want to read to you a couple more scriptures and then we'll be done here. So, then he says to us in in chapter three Since you have been raised to new life, set your sights on the kingdom of heaven, on the realities of heaven. I don't know what your Bible says. Here's the the, the easy version. Since you have a new life, look up, stop looking down. Are you alive? Since God has touched you and you're no longer a slave to sin and to the things of the world, look up where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand and think about the things of heaven, not on the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden in Christ in God. I wish I had a sexier message for you. It's just the Bible. Bro, I wish like there was more acronyms. No, The Bible. The Bible, since God has washed you by his blood and he's given you a new life, you're dead to that stuff. So consider yourself, Romans says, consider yourself dead to that and learn to give, look up and allow that reality to influence this reality. And then he tells us specifically what that looks like. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Do not be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Okay, we'll just move on. (laughs) Worshiping the things of this world. I'm just saying that because none of us would ever think we're greedy. But I'm just saying the generosity demonstrated by the New Testament church is so radically different than how we live today. Like I'll give to you as long as it does not impede my plans. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, malice behavior, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know. You see this? Put on your new nature how? As you learn to know your creator and to become like him, that word know is to intimately know. It would be the same word that is used the way you know your wife on your wedding night. It's not just knowing here, it's knowing. There's no partial. As you learn to know, you put on your new self. In this new life, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, but then he says that God chose you, verse 12, to be a holy people he loved he tells us what we are to put on, and I'll land here. Not just what we're to put off. Okay, we put off like, well, bro, you go so hard against certain things. I'm not going hard at it. The Bible is. No sexual immorality, no lust, no dirty talking. It's the Bible. <laughs> it's the Bible. We just don't talk about it anymore. Since God chose you to be holy, people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. I want to go slow. I want you to see this. He doesn't say, I want to close you with the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of words of knowledge. All of that's good. This is what he wants to close you, clothe you with. Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, praise the Lord. This is a beautiful time for this. I just want to say to you, as we get closer to the 31st of October, Come on. Come on. your feelings about Halloween are irrelevant. I'll say it this way. I've never seen somebody talk to me and say, hey, you know what changed my mind about Halloween? I got in a Facebook argument and I was all of a sudden like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, Never. Can I say never? Never. Never. So give yourself to kindness. Because for the sake of your political or your conviction, what we're doing is we're showing the world we're divided. We can't even get along within one another. You want to have a conversation? Go to Starbucks. Talk face to face. Don't be a keyboard warrior. I regress. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. We make allowances for each other's faults, and we forgive anyone. That's crazy talk. What? What? We forgive anyone who offends us because why? Because we remember the Lord forgave you. So you don't you don't get to choose. I'm just, I want you to see it. Is it up there? So you must forgive others. Keep going. Nah, it was it was at the end of that one. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, there it is. So you must say must. Forgive others. And above all else, clothe yourself with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And I want to land here today because this is really what I want to pray into. How many of you know we've talked about this, the Bible is truth. So when God says let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, it means there is the ability for the peace of God to rule in your heart. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? As we give ourselves to the things of the Lord and as we learn to embrace God's ways, the ways of Yahweh, there's a peace that will hit our hearts that will rule. What does ruling do? When somebody rules, that person sets the parameters for how things operate. There are certain things you can't do in the United States because there's rule. There's reign. You can't tell me not to say something because we have a constitution that says, I can say whatever I want because somebody set that rule. When the peace of God begins to rule in your heart, it will set the parameters for how things begin to operate in and through you. In and through you. So I want to pray for us this morning. Actually, I want us to stand. Can we stand? Was the Facebook comment just too much? Is that, is that what killed the flow? <laughs> Can I just be honest with you? I understand all of the premise, but on my calendar, on Gio's calendar, the devil doesn't own a day on my calendar. Amen. I'm not telling you what to do, what not to do. I'm just saying like the 31st on my calendar is not the devil's day. Amen. All right, cool. I want to pray over us and then uh, just make space for the Lord to, to engage with us. Can we just just let's just be still for just a moment? Lord, what the Bible describes in the book of Colossians is impossible without you. It's impossible. We're asking you like we sang during worship that you would ignite a fire and a flame of passion and loving devotion on the inside of us that will not just be alive for a day, for a week or a month, but that would be sustained. God, for those of us that we've given ourselves to these lesser things, to sexual immorality and lust, evil desires, God, we ask you for mercy and we repent. We are a people of repentance, guys. We say like David, search our heart, oh God, and see if there's any wickedness in us. We don't want to assume that we've got it all together and we've got it all figured out. We are dependent and a needy people. I say it from the center of the stage, God, may you keep us dependent and pour in spirit upon you. We need you. We need you today more than ever before and we'll need you tomorrow more than today. We need you. God, in this room, there are people with all kinds of needs. We're asking, Lord, would you intervene? And I just feel the holiness of the Lord. Would you intervene? Would you today offer it to him? We're here, Lord, without any music, without anything to set the mood. We just still before you. We don't want any additives, we just want you. I really sense in my heart to just make space and we're gonna pray for any person in the room that's just carrying burden or you need, you need a miracle in your life. I, I really felt like as family to pray and to cover you. You're like in a situation where it's like, God, I look at it and it's ugly and it's not done. I need a breakthrough. Or you say, man, when I'm with you and you're reading that, I just don't identify. I don't feel new. We want to make space for you to respond to the Lord. So, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to come down. And we're actually going to come around you. You can just come now. If you need breakthrough in any area, any space, just really quick, and then we're going to gather around. If you need to repent, this would be a great time. Just come. We're not going to call anyone out. We just always want to make space for God. I'm going to wait another moment just to make space. And we're going to come around and behind them, and we're going to pray. God, we have nothing without you. Yes. We have nothing without you. We, without you, we are barren. We are barren. Anyone else that needs to come? I just, I just feel like to wait for just a moment. If you're dealing with any kind of shame or condemnation... I I just don't want there to be any hype. I just make your way. We're going to pray and we're going to believe the Lord. It's not complicated. Father, we make space. We make space. We make room. I know it's uncomfortable. We don't do it this way a lot. But it's got to be real or it's got to be nothing. I feel like to just one more time. Father... Any person that's supposed to be down here that's in this room that needs a transformation of life, would you draw them? I'm going to wait 30 more seconds just because I just feel like the holiness of the Lord. Oh. I've got to say something really quick. I never do this. In 2014, 15, I was in a service, and there was a kid that was coming to church who was on the fringes. His name was Trey. And I was in an altar service similar to this, and I knew God was wanting to deal with people. And the Lord was telling me, you need to go talk to Trey. And to be honest, I didn't want to talk to Trey. Trey was rough. He was a drug addict. He had a lot of things going on. And I felt like I've already been down that road. So service got done. And everybody left. And I said to myself, I'll get him next time. Next time he comes down, Lord. It's Tuesday night. My father-in-law storms into my room. He's like, we've got to go. Something's happened. And apparently, Trey was smoking and they were listening to rap music and they were doing their thing. And I guess they were rapping the song. One of the kids had a gun in his hand, shot the gun, went off, killed Trey. And I realized, like, I just, there wasn't another time. There, wa- there wasn't another time. And I really thought the Holy Spirit brought that story to my mind. And I'm not prophesying anything negative, it's today is the day of salvation. And we turn to the Lord while we can. Doesn't matter if you've come a thousand times. I don't care what you did last night. And I don't really even care how you feel about yourself. The blood of Jesus is greater. So just keep coming. Just keep coming. So I'm going to pray one more time. And I'm going to ask you to to come. I'm like, well, can you do it in my seat? I'm just so over that. We want to respond to God. We respond to God. It's not for me. It's for you. So Father, we ask for a quickening. Let there not be one that walks out of this room without an assurity of where they are spending eternity. I feel it's just so sobering. Father, I ask that you deal with us. It is your mercy to deal with us that you refuse to leave us the same. Can I get some people just to come around some of my staff if, if there's more than an I want us to pray as a community for these people that came forward. Curtis, you can come. Some of our prayer team, you can come. I just want to pray here for just a few moments. They responded. Just two or three minutes. Can we just pray that God would do something just supernatural? God, by your word, we're asking you, Father. God, for all of those that responded, God, we ask for a lifting off and the breaking of every yoke, God, that you would shift that you would change every circumstance, God. Father, that you, God, for those that were drawn to repent, God, that your Holy Spirit would minister to them, God, that this would be a new day. That it would be a new day marked by beauty and glory and a turning. May they never go back. May they never go back. God, break off shame. Break off shame and guilt and discouragement and hopelessness, God, over every situation. We just pray for open doors. We pray for open doors, God, for every impossible situation. We prophesy open doors, open doors, that it would fling wide over every situation, every family, every marriage, every child, every prodigal, God. We pray, have mercy, God. Have mercy, God. Have mercy, God. Break off shame. I just feel that. God, we just take off shame. We take off accusation. Silence every voice. I pray that in Jesus' name. May every voice of accusation be silenced. Some of you, you've been hearing these voices that they're tormenting you. I pray God silence every voice by the Holy Spirit. Let only your voice, your voices that your sheep, they hear your voice. Let it be your voice. Even the voice of people. Would you silence every voice of every person that brings confusion and witchcraft and manipulation and addiction, God? Father, we're asking you for divine intervention. For those that are struggling with addictions, would you break addictions and strongholds? God, like you broke drugs and sexual addiction off of me, God, would you break it off of everyone here? For those that feel cold and callous, they've been hurt by church and religion, God, would you touch them? Would you massage the hard heart? Would you blow over dry bones? Guys, these are not just words. These are prayers that heaven is hearing. They're filling up bowls and they will tip. God, we pray for a changing for those that just kind of walked into the building today, God, for those that even took steps of faith and it didn't play out the right way, we, we will not hold you captive. We will not hold accusations against you. We're just going to go step by step God, grace to put on tenderness and mercy and humility and kindness. Would you clothe them? I just want to pray that over you. That you would be clothed with tender mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness. That's yours. It's the Bible. It's yours. With patience. That you would make allowances for faults. That there would be a grace to forgive offenses. God, we ask you for grace to forgive. God, we didn't deserve forgiveness, but you forgave. So, Father, remove the poison of unforgiveness. This is the last thing I'm going to ask man. If you're if you're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness, I just encourage you to just release it to God. Like God, I don't know what to do with this, but I give it to you because it is poison. It's poison. It's poison. God, we ask you for grace to forgive. We release those people. We release them. It's not because they deserve it, it's because God made way for you to be free. Goodness gracious. God may wait for peace to reign in your heart, which means the torment has to go. May the peace of God reign in your heart. Let the light of your face shine upon every heart. We bless them. We bless them. We bless them. we got family, would you just stretch up your hands? Last thing we'll do, we bless them. We just release blessings upon you. We thank you for responding to God. God, would you honor their response? May you honor their response. We bless them as a family. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you with peace and prosperity and joy and hope. We bless you. We're sorry for the abuse from churches. We bless you. We bless You. We bless You to be you, We bless You. We don't want anything from You. We bless 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 You. you. For those of you that are in the room and and God's dealing with you, I just encourage you, they're gonna turn up the music that you would just let the Lord minister to you. If you're just here and you wanna continue to pray for these, somebody was sitting in that chair when you came down praying for you. So if the Lord's putting one person on your heart, pray until it lifts. But if not, we love you guys. We thank you for being here. We'll see you in prayer room. We'll see you throughout this week. And now we'll see you next Sunday. If this was your first time, we love you. God loves you. And then we just, we, we bless you. Give somebody a hug. We just ask you to honor what God's doing in, in the room.